Good evening, everyone. I'm glad that you could be with us, and I welcome you. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to your body, to your church. God, you redeemed us with your blood, and you love us with a love that knows no end. And we thank you for it. God, I pray a blessing upon those that are watching tonight. I thank you, Lord, for your provision, your kindness, your mercy, and your grace. And God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to continue to receive your word and the direction that you are giving to us. God, I thank you, Lord, for the congregation that I am privileged to serve. And God, I pray that you would be with all of us, lead and guide our steps, and let us live and walk according to your will. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome, everyone. It is good to see you again. Uh, let me quickly review this week, uh, kind of a, a week of vision that we've been sharing with you. And so Sunday night we reminded you of the prophecy. Remember the prophecy, the promises that God has given to us, particularly on February 23rd. God saw what was coming, and he has a plan. He has a plan for the world, we know that, but he has a plan for us. And so I, I encourage you, if you haven't had a chance, go back and, and look at our archives and uh, watch that, that whole service. It would encourage you. But I did Sunday night remind you of the main points, brought that to your attention. And then Tuesday night, after Sabbath on Monday, Tuesday night I shared with you the plan. And I trust that none of you threw any rocks at your screen or, or took my name too much in vain as I dealt with reality, the reality that I believe that we are looking at a longer season uh, of shelter in place. I heard an analogy uh, recently, actually read it, that uh, it's one thing to look at this COVID-19 as a blizzard. It's something that came out of nowhere. It's surrounding us. You can't see. We don't know what's going on, but it's going to pass. Or look at COVID-19 as a blizzard that is the onset of, of, of winter, uh, of a season. Um, but then there's also the possibility that it's even longer than that. It's actually a, a an ice age, a short period of time, not in the sense of decades or, or centuries, but it is a longer period of time. And uh, unfortunately, I, I do believe we're in for a season definitely of winter and perhaps even longer than that. And so settle in, folks. There's a plan. We're going to build our digital campus. We have not quit having church. We've just moved location. And uh, so be patient with us as we grow, as we build, as we invest. And um, as we move some chairs and tables around, as things feel like bailing wire and, and, and duct tape for a while. But step by step, piece by piece, we're going to continue to build. And so be patient with us. And uh, and then Wednesday night I talk to you about giving, the investment piece, our believing in Jesus, our trust, our giving what we have, our giving what has been an increase to us, uh, being able to give in relation to that, in relation to what we have, and in relation to what he has provided for us. And so I encourage you to continue to be faithful in giving. I encourage you to continue to be faithful in this time in which there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of unknown. Uh, trust Him. Believe in Him. Uh, continue to give. Everything you have came from Him. Everything uh, that you have will go back to Him. And so really nothing has changed. Uh, your income may have changed, um, but God has always asked you to give in relation to what you have, to give generously and to give as He leads you and to guide you according to His Spirit. Of course, we talk to you, if you haven't had a chance, stop by newarkupc.info, and there you can see the tutorial on how to use digital giving, Rebel Give, if you'd like to do that, or mail your contributions in, or 
uh, you know, once or twice a month. If you have cash contributions, call the office and we'll arrange with you where you can drop them off. So tonight I want to draw your attention to this topic. It's a question. What if we were a persecuted church? I don't know if you've ever thought about this. In North America we have such freedoms and we're used to those freedoms, in fact we demand those freedoms, that I'm not sure that we're quite prepared. We don't quite understand what's going on when we talk about a persecuted church. Many of us may have read stories of, you know, God's smuggler uh, taking Bibles into communist uh, Russia or areas behind the Iron Curtain, or even today thinking of places where religion is repressed and, and religious freedoms are not present. But have you ever thought about how you would operate? Would you ever think about how Newark United Pentecostal Church would operate if we were a persecuted church? You say, well, why are you asking this question? Like, what's the relevance to what we're in here? Well, I hope to make that case to you tonight, that in some ways we need to prepare ourselves as if we were a persecuted church. And if we do that, we will be prepared to handle this shelter in place, however long it takes. Because there are similarities between what we have to do with regard to shelter in place and what a persecuted church has to do. But let me, let me start with a passage of scripture. You all are familiar with Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Stephen has just been stoned, and chapter 1 says Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And then following that, it says a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. When everybody see that, the whole church was scattered except the apostles. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But here's the key point I want to draw your attention to. All these believers who have been scattered, they've been cut off from the apostles, they've been cut off from their church campus. Think about that for a moment. The church was all over the place, but their campus was Jerusalem. Almost everything before Acts chapter 8 was happening in Jerusalem. They had their temple, and they had their ability to meet from house to house. And now persecution has begun, and they're completely cut off. They cannot be in Jerusalem. They cannot access the temple. They no longer have their homes. In fact, the Spirit had led them to begin selling their homes. All the believers, except the apostles, are scattered. But here's what they did. The believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. I like how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. Let me draw your attention to it. Forced to leave home base, the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. Wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. I really like the first phrasing there. Forced to leave home base. Can I, can I adapt it for you? Forced to abandon their physical campus. The disciples became missionaries. So I challenge you again to revisit this, this question. What if we were a persecuted church? What if we no longer had access to our physical campus? What if you no longer had access to your pastoral team? What if, like many a persecuted church, your pastors were in jail? What if, like a persecuted church, 
your pastors were killed. What would happen to you? How would member care go? Oh yeah, there I go. Some of you are smart enough to head, know where I'm headed now. Those of you that are catching up, hold on. Yeah, well, what would happen? Would the church still be the church or would we dissolve? Would the church still be the church or would we cease to exist? Would the church still be the church or would we cease to operate? Now, I'm not here to tell you that I'm going anywhere. I'm not here to tell you that your pastoral team's going anywhere. I'm not here to tell you that the United States of America is coming to jail us or kill us. But what I am here to challenge us with, church, is an understanding that in order to be the church, a church that will not stop, no matter what it faces, a church that will not fail no matter what its challenges, a church that continues to do what Christ has enabled it to do, that church has to get out of the pastor-centric model. And in this season, we have an opportunity. I know you're probably getting tired of me saying how in this crazy season that you all want to end, why does he keep talking about the opportunity? It's frustrating. We don't want an opportunity. We don't like opportunity. Steve, we want it to go back to what we were used to. I know that, but we need to not go back to what it used to be. We need to recognize that God has a season in place here that can transform who we are. And when the comforts, when the resources, when the ability to use our physical canvas comes back, we need to use it differently. We need to become prepared to be a persecuted church. A church that is the church no matter what it faces. And by the way, this is a biblical model. On October 6, 2019, I challenged you to consider. In fact, many of you liked it. It was a highlight sermon. Which church? Jerusalem or Antioch? And I contrasted these two churches. Jerusalem, all in one place, trying to control everything. The apostles doing everything. Anything happened outside of Jerusalem, they had to send somebody to check it out. Antioch started from the persecution. Started by a set of believers who lost their home base. If you'll allow me, they lost their physical campus. And they had to innovate. And when they did, they let go of some things before. Before, there was tension between those who spoke Hebrew and those who spoke Greek. But now in this new church, no, that's not how it works. In this new church in Antioch, instead, what's happening is, is they're reaching Gentiles. They don't care what language they're, they're, they're speaking. They're going to reach anybody they can. They're going to preach the message of Jesus. The persecution set them free from some of their barriers and their boundaries. I wonder if COVID-19 will set us free from some of our barriers and boundaries. I'm not talking about doctrine. The message of Jesus cannot and will not change. But I am talking about our methods. I'm talking about our expectations. Which church are we going to be? Are we going to be a team-based church or are we going to stay pastor-centric? Are we going to keep expecting the pastors to take care of us? Or are we going to embrace the understanding that we care for one another? What if we were a persecuted church? What if the police were breaking in my door right now and arresting me, taking me away? What if the rest of your pastoral team was assembled and put into the gulag? 
What if we were killed? What would happen to the church? Now here's the interesting thing. Your pastoral team cannot answer that question. We can't answer the question. We do not have the ability to answer this question. This is a question that you have to answer as a member of the church. You have to decide, would you still be the church? Would you still do what the church is meant to do? Would you take responsibility? Would you organize? Would you reach out? Would you care for one another? Would you make sure everybody had a job and if they didn't, that you were coming alongside of them with resources and helping them? Would you take them paper towels and toilet paper? Would you take them food? Would you figure out a safe way in the midst of COVID-19 to do so? Would you get people to the medical doctor when they had need to get there and couldn't get there on their own? Would you arrange for their care? You don't have a pastoral team to call. You call 302-738-7899 and nobody's answering. We're all in jail or dead. What if we were a persecuted church? Now, I, I please understand, I do not see anything coming down the pike that we're going to become a persecuted church. I don't think that that is going to happen right now. But I think this question challenges us in, in this season where what we've become used to is not present. What would happen if we used this season to challenge our assumptions? Now, it's not like you haven't heard this before, but let me draw your attention to it. This is the biblical model. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to tell the pastoral team what they need. No. Their responsibility is to equip God's people so that they can hold their pastors accountable for doing their job. No. And by the way, I'm happy to be accountable to you for doing my job. No, the job of the gifts Christ gave to his church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, is to equip God's people to do his work. To build up the church so it can do his work. To equip, to build up, to strengthen, to encourage the body of Christ so it can do his work. So understand a couple of nights ago, I spoke with a pastoral voice of correction. This is why you can't skip small groups, folks. This is why you need to be at the, at the evening gathering hubs. Well, I don't like it. Well, you wouldn't like being in the persecuted church then either, would you? Well, it's inconvenient. Well, then you wouldn't like being in a persecuted church, would you? I don't know what I'm doing. You wouldn't like being in a persecuted church, would you? I'm discomforted. Then you wouldn't like being in a persecuted church, would you? Revival came from the results of a persecuted church. Jerusalem did not reach the world. Antioch did. Antioch was birthed of a persecuted church. It shook the believers out of their lethargy. It shook the believers out of their comfort zone. They lost their home base. <laughs> 
and they had to go and innovate. They had to figure things out. And they couldn't call Peter, James, and John. They couldn't ask for the council to decide things. They had to make a call on their own. I challenge you, church. Start caring for one another. Start innovating. COVID-19 has shook us out of our lethargy. We are no longer in our normal place. And yes, it's unfamiliar. And yes, it's unknown. And maybe you don't even like it. I'm sure these believers weren't really excited about losing their home base and having to leave Jerusalem and not being able to rely on Peter, James, and John and the rest of the apostles. And yet, revival occurred. It almost looks like all things work together for good. It almost looks like God said, I think I can use this. And what's even greater is, is the source of the persecution, in fact, in the hands of God, turned into a powerful tool. His name was Saul at the time, but he became Paul, who was brought to the Lord and discipled at that church that was produced as a result of the persecution. So members, if you haven't figured it out, there's a theme coming through to you. It's not going to disappear when we come back together. It's not going to disappear now. You need to be in a small group. You need to be involved with your family. That's your small group. You need to care for one another. You need to extend yourself. When a problem arises, by all means, let the pastoral team know. But let the pastoral team know what you're going to do about it. We're going to work hard. We're going to continue to equip you. We're going to continue to build so we can teach you and make you able to do the work of the ministry. But it's time for the church to be the church by doing God's work. When a brother or sister has need, who's going to fulfill it? Right now, we're still in the mode, not of one person. You all have done great. Now it's not Steve. You're willing to have somebody else call you. You're willing to have somebody else take you to the hospital. You're willing to have somebody else take you someplace. But it's now it's the whole pastoral team. And there's nine of you. So what's the problem here, Steve? The problem is not us being members of the body. The problem is, is that we are not. The body of Christ is not nine members. The body of Christ is, according to my count right now, 248 of you. That's how many people are under pastoral care. 248 of you. You're the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. What are we doing? Every pastoral team member is in a small group. Every pastoral team member has people that they are caring for as their family. What are you doing? How are you caring for your family? What if we were a persecuted church? What if there were no pastoral team? What if we were all in jail or dead? Would the church still be the church? I challenge you tonight. Take a fresh look. Are you prepared to be the church? Because Christ has called you to be the church. And what's amazing to me is that in the midst of what looks like less than optimal circumstances, they lost their home base, they had to leave Jerusalem, they had no contact with the apostles. In fact, under the leading and guiding of the Spirit, 
that circumstance led to great revival. Is it possible that in the midst of us losing access to our campus, is it possible in the midst of losing access to our normal comforts? Is it possible that in the midst of losing the ability for your pastoral team to reach you the way you're used to? Is it possible that these are the circumstances that, like the church at Antioch, will birth the next phase for Newark United Pentecostal Church? Oh yeah. This season is an unknown. We don't know totally what's going on, but I can tell you he does. We know from the prophecy that he has a plan. He's already provided for us. He's leading us and guiding us. But an integral part of this is that each member recognize that they have responsibility for their members, for the body of Christ, for their brothers and sisters. And so if you've been doing that already, thank you. I thank you for caring for your brothers and sisters. I thank you for the phone calls that you're making outside of Small Group Connects. I thank you for caring for one another and following up with one another. I thank you for supplying toilet paper and paper towels and vegetables and flowers and whatever else it is. But I challenge all of us to take a fresh look. When a need arises in your small group, when you're aware of your brother or sister who has need, you need to be sheltering at home. You need to be staying in place to be safe. But when there is a need and it's necessary, who do you expect to take care of it? I challenge us. Why don't we act like we're a persecuted church in the midst of no persecution? Why don't we take on the attributes of a persecuted church even when there is no persecution, when we have the freedom of expression, when we can put out these video broadcasts, whenever we can sit on WebEx and talk to one another without fear of the police crashing into our houses, when our pastoral team can work hours alongside of the body, equipping it and getting it ready and making it possible for the body to do the work of God's ministry. If we were to act like we were a persecuted church, with all of those benefits, what could God do through us? So I challenge you tonight. Why don't we start acting like we're a persecuted church? Why don't we start acting as if God wants us to do His work? Could we pray together, Jesus? I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your Spirit that will lead and guide us into all truth. God, I thank you, Lord, for the good people that I'm speaking to tonight and their faithfulness. And God, I pray that you would help every one of us because we're all going through change, massive amounts of change, and we're tired, Lord. And it can feel overwhelming, Lord Jesus. But God, I, I ask you to strengthen us. I ask you to comfort us, and I ask you to lead and guide us. God, help us to rise to the occasion. Help us to step up, Lord Jesus. Help us to catch the vision, even feel the excitement and the joy of caring one for another. God, we love you with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, but we also must love our neighbor as ourself. Help us. Help us to see our neighbor within the church and help us to see our neighbor within the community. Help us, Jesus, in this season to figure out how to do this. God, strengthen your body. And God, birth an Antioch out of the midst of COVID-19. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you, everybody, for being with us tonight. God bless you. I love you. Good night.